Yo, what's up? This is Mikey Dab, and welcome to The Hype Report. Each week, we recap the biggest stories from Hypebeast directly from the minds of the editorial team. I'm here to connect the dots. Let's get into this week's show. Hey, how's it going? This is Keith Esteller, our editor at Hypebeast. What's going on, Keith? Happy New Year to you, Mikey. Oh, wow. So nice of you. Uh, Happy New Year. Uh, Did you have a nice little... Okay. I think it was a a very chill sabbatical on my end. How about you? It it was fantastic, but then we came back to this nonsense. Yes. Let let him know. What a a very crazy um, situation. So on December 28th, before uh, the new year, a resident in North London was arrested for allegedly defacing Pablo Picasso's very valuable 1944 painting called Bust of a Woman at Taint Modern. I mean, wild. Very well. How did he even get that close? So museums generally have these works, you know, publicly displayed. There's no casing. There's nothing like that because it is very expensive to hire security guards and casing for these artworks. And some might even argue that it might even ruin the experience of viewing these very valuable works. You get a glare if you put it in a case. You're not really looking at it dead on. I mean, there is such thing as museum glass where, you know, you don't see the glare. Yeah, Yeah. But still... It's a destination point for people to kind of like go and actually view the works up close. And this piece is valued at 26 million USD. So also pretty cheap. So, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) there they didn't clearly state how um, this rip or tear in a painting um, was done. A lot of the news reports like BBC have reported that um, he attacked the painting. So, which well, means he probably had a weapon or some sort, maybe. I would like to see a video, but that hasn't been released as well. So, I'm sure there's a video floating around somewhere. But they probably haven't released it yet or whatever it is. But I, I know he's fighting the charges. So, at some point, they're going to have to release the video. Yeah, I'm wondering uh, the same thing. Um, I definitely feel like they should have released the video already hmm. because of the incident. I feel like this is one of those incidents where public has a right to see the video because it is technically uh, an institution for the public. The the thought process is there. Like, I'm just curious as to if there's like a deeper meaning reason for them not airing it. Like, they don't want to show how much damage was actually done to the painting. Yes. Like, obviously, insurance would cover it, but like, nobody's going to touch that. I mean, luckily, there's a backup. Yeah, they said that um, the 20-year-old suspect named Shaquille Massey was swiftly apprehended following the incident. So maybe, you know, there's not much to see. But I definitely think of the incident, but I feel like there should be photos of the artwork and the, like, the tear. I definitely want to see, you know, what damages were so, caused. So do you think that they would replace it with the private collection piece that he did? Because there's, there's two of them. Yeah. There's two pieces. There's the the one that was on display and then there's a private collection piece where like I think the shading is different or the hat's different or what so, there's something different of the ab- same piece. Of the same piece, yeah. Wow. This piece was uh what's that called? Bust of a Woman, yes. Yeah, this piece Bust of a Woman, but this was also on loan to the museum. So okay, it was owned okay. by a collector too. So it is technically from a private collection mm. as well. Um but I didn't know that there were two paintings. Yeah, there was the, from like the same era. Uh, okay. Or from like the same like time period in which he did this one, it might have been like days before. Or oh yeah, this is one of many bust of a woman yeah, exactly. paintings that he's done. Uh-huh. Um, but I do think that there are like slight differences in yes. the in the compositions for each one. And just to give you guys uh, his background, this painting was painted during um, the final months of Nazi occupation, 
And the woman portrayed is a very uh, close friend. Some people are assuming that is a lover too, named Dora Mar, French artist, poet, and photographer as well. Yeah, there's a, there was definitely something going on between those two. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you know, Pablo Picasso and his lovers. We're we're not going down that road right now. It's not that <laughs> kind, it's not that kind of interview. Um, so right now the situation is that he's he's currently in police custody and there should be a trial set for January thirtieth. How do you feel about like vandalism? Vandalism. Yeah. Because some of it's art and some of it isn't. That's a hard question. I mean, like he vandalized this painting of someone who right now doesn't have the best track record yes. based on other things we could talk about at a different time. But does it make the piece better? Does it does it add more character to it? Or is it just a vandalized piece of art now? I think it's a vandalized piece of art. Yeah? Yeah, I think it loses all of its um, sort of like historical significance and its like quality you know mm. um aesthetically and yeah i mean at the end of the day it's i feel like they totally vandalize the the work so you can't really see it in its complete and pure form no i i i get what you're saying but like the way that it was viewed originally was through the eyes of of pure art like oh yeah. he was a great guy and whatever his struggles were were great and now we have like this this movement of what kind of person he really was and mm -hmm. it kind of takes away from everything you thought he was i, I don't know it, it, it creates a new perception of the art and i think ripping it kind of creates a new perception of what he was mm. yeah not so not so perfect so you're saying there's a new you're, beauty you're to assuming it there's a maybe, new beauty to it yeah you're and you're also probably assuming that this guy was under the auspices of yeah. trying to do right or justice. Mm, or he could have just been some crazy dude who was like, ah, I don't like this painting. Yeah, that's true. I wonder which one he is. I, I need more details on this. What do you, I mean, this is, uh, I think, one of the more recent vandalisms in art. Um, yeah, well, there's the other one in Texas. We were just, we were just, yeah, talking, talking about, about spray painting over a piece. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. There's a lot and it's all Picasso. Saying something. Just saying. And they're not like cheap pieces of, of, of art. Yeah. 26 million, 22 million. Like that's, that's saying something. That's really expensive. Insurance is going to, maybe <laughs> it's going to cover that. Maybe he's also bashing just the idea of museums too. Maybe like housing the institution is for, itself. The institution. Huh. I don't know. That sounds kind of broad. Yeah. But it's only Picasso. So like if they were attacking other pieces of art, I'd be like, okay, I get it. Down with the museums. Yeah, that's true. Free the art into the world. But he was apprehended really fast, so maybe I didn't know if he was going to go on a hold to rate and like destroy more. You know, I feel like it's not that hard to destroy a painting, especially mm -hmm. when like it's not in protective anything. You just like run over the little velvet rope. Yeah, <laughs> gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, and they're not that far apart either. It's like maybe three or four pieces in a room. Like I'm, I'm, you know, not the fastest person, but I'm pretty sure I can get to two or three before they get me. That's true. I'm not saying I'm out here vandalizing art. I'm just you know throwing a hypothetical out there yeah there haven't been any reports that the work has been replaced with another work um Masse is currently in police custody and there's a trial set for january 30th just to reiterate everything um so we'll just have to wait for january 30th we're just, to get more we're details just gonna have to wait well, yeah wait for some more details and most likely january 30th they'll release the video and they'll be like you can't fight it. You're guilty. Yeah, for sure. Because he's trying to fight the charges. Yeah, and yeah. that's really absurd. But I mean, there's no other option he has. 
That's like his battle cry right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody, nobody just wants to say I'm guilty. Like, I, I didn't do it. The knife's <laughs> in your hand. No, no, it wasn't me. All right, always a pleasure. All right, Wait man. for the 30th to catch up on this yeah. one, but catch you next week. Stay tuned on Hypebeast Art. For the latest in art and design news, follow Hypebeast Art on Instagram or go to hypebeast.com forward slash art. What's up, everybody? This is Ross Dwyer, Associate Footwear Editor. I'm just here to talk about Travis Scott's Nike SB Dunk. Are you excited? I'm excited. Um, I will say I am. Um, I'm getting a little bit tired of Travis's collaborations in general. There's just what? there's a lot of them. What? But it's um this this I think is a good one, and I think it makes a lot of sense because he's been pushing SB really hard over the last couple months, and it it seems to me that he's clearly a fan. So this one makes a lot of sense, and I think is a uh, it's good fan service for everybody. So so I'm not a big SB guy at all. Okay. Uh, I'm excited to see it in person. I don't think I need it for my my own well-being at all. Uh, I do like what's going on with the shoe, though. Yeah, me too. So it's uh, for those of you that haven't seen it, a little quick backstory here. Um, it was first premiered in one of the Jack Boys videos a couple of weeks ago. Um, we were given a very brief look, and since then, you know, Travis has been popping up at Rockets games, whatever else. He's had it on feet a lot, and, you know, a couple leaker accounts on Instagram have posted it as well. Um, it's very, very detailed. Um, it has this kind of tan and bluish upper, which is, you know, very cactus jack, like, you know, the earthy tones and whatnot. And um, it has, it's made of this, like, sort of denim type material with a paisley overlay and it kind of tears away and reveals a cement like print underneath um there's also some plaid detailing on the midfoot buttons around the throat you know a classic sb fat tongue that all the purists love sway a little bit of suede as well fuzzy rope laces so it looks kind of like intentionally roughed up already so it really makes sense that you know there's some tearaway detailing as well I, I appreciate what's going on with the shoe only because there's a lot of different textures and materials uh just like the air force one uh the most recent air force one yep. a lot of different textures and materials uh appeals to me i like that look i like the interactive feel of the shoe as well so as you skate or you do whatever it's going to tear away uh, much yep. like the clot air force one exactly same deal. exactly um I, I i listen i like it i can appreciate what's going on here yeah, no, I think it's I think it's really good. And, you know, even though as the, the cycle continues and you see more and more Travis shoes and, you know, someone like me begins to get a little tired of them, I do think that this one is different enough. It's unique enough. And there's like a lot going on. And, you know, people who love SBs really love those little details. And they really nailed that they didn't waste any space on this shoe, which I think is pretty sweet. So uh, I'm, I'm also do you think they're actually going to drop or? um? So from what were, you know, guessing and what kind of the early you know leak accounts have been posting and what we've seen is probably sometime in the first quarter um there's nothing confirmed and you know how these things go you know they'll wait and wait and wait and i wouldn't be surprised if we saw it drop on like some sort of special occasion you know to like a company a single or something like that you know they did that with a lot of his previous shoes like at the grammys the jordan one low and whatnot so there could be some sort of special shock release that then ends up in you sitting aimlessly on his site for 45 minutes while your cart spins when you're trying to check out the, so the more important question is uh in new york who's got a sb account it's a good it's a good question man i mean Bla As blades is r.i.p uh dqm yep um and like 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 the the premier skate shops 
I mean, obviously, Supreme will probably have them. Right. Uh, but just like everything else at Supreme, you won't be able to attain them from there. Of course so, not. <laughs> let, let's be real here. So, like, where in New York, if any, is going to... That's interesting, too, because, you know, one thing we don't know is obviously this is a limited release, probably tier zero. But, you know, Nike SB is really an SB. True. Yeah. They've been pushing skate shops really hard recently. You know, the orange label collection is skate shop exclusive. So it's like it'll be interesting to see what, you know, procedure they follow with this. Will it be treated as a skate shoe? Will it be treated as, you know, just a, a regular tier zero collaboration? A little bit of both. Uh, you know, the intrigue is uh, it's, it's compelling. I'm a little upset about the blades thing. I'm sure. I was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Outside of that, they did drop the the yellow sixes. Yeah. Now, so from what I've heard, those are a friends and family yes. and are not releasing. Well, I'm saying yes, like I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you know, you've you've seen those on Travis. I want to say Offset was wearing them at one point. Maybe I don't know. You know, these these shoes they just pop up all over the place, but. From yeah, what just we, not where you want them. As it stands right now, um, those were like a friends and family exclusive release, much like the the purple and the brown Air Jordan fours were. Yeah, those were terrific. But uh, so we'll we'll see what's up with those. But it's you know what's next up in the chamber for Travis's line is these dunks, and I think uh, I think people are pretty excited. You know, especially with the kind of renewed interest in SB among mainstream sneaker consumers that he kind of helped bring to the forefront. So. I'll give you the SB thing. I, yeah, sure. I don't. I'll be honest. I don't really wear them too much either. But I do I'm, appreciate I'm them. I, I tried. I've tried so many times sure. to wear them. I just they're not comfortable yeah. for me. And I they're mean, like so comfortable. Yeah, and I love <laughs> I love a shoe with a good story and attention to detail and all that. But you know, I don't I don't skateboard. I can't skateboard, so I don't feel right wearing them. I, I mean, can like them. I can appreciate them. I can bike? respect them. I used to. Me too. Ah, there you go. DC, bike life. DC days though. That was, yes, sir. That was a long time ago. <laughs> All right, Ross, always a pleasure. Thanks for stopping right, Mikey, by. Much appreciated, man. Be good. Always Peace, everybody. For the latest in footwear news, you can check out Hypebeast Kicks on Instagram or go to hypebeast.com forward slash footwear. Hi, my name is Emily Engel, and I'm the business editor at Hypebeast. And today I'm going to talk about a recap from CES and kind of the two most hype products from the event. Super exciting. Yeah. We'll just delve right into it. <laughs> sure. So the first, well, the two I want to bring up are the Neon Virtual Humans and then the Mercedes-Benz Vision AVTR concept. Which one stuck out more to you? Um, I would say, well, both, but I think the Neon Humans, just because I feel like that's a concept that could go really far in a crazy way. I guess uh, <laughs> I start thinking about like iRobot immediately. Yeah, I think about Westworld. Um, Which is uh, probably, probably makes a little bit more sense. All right, I'll let you rock with that one. Which looks good too. <laughs> Essentially, they're virtual beings that look exactly like humans. Like they did a, a great job making them look super realistic, and they use artificial intelligence to demonstrate realistic emotions. And they have the ability to respond to conversations and generate actual human emotion. But they are still, you know, trapped in a computer. They're not physical forms yet. Which is good. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's like a good thing. It's like baby steps. Let's yeah, I think that's steps. how a lot of people feel too. Um, yeah, I mean, Neon is very quick to say they're not the next Amazon Alexa interface or something like that. They very much are in the computer just to talk to you and to learn from you, but they're not going to tell you like what the weather is. They're not there to like answer daily basic questions. It's more interactive. Yeah, and and I think it's interesting for a company to explore that now. 
I, I'm also like curious, like, so the, the Alexa uh, conspiracy theorist is that like the government's always listening to you. Right. I feel like it's going to be the same thing. Well, so that's another thing that the company was very key on saying that we will not be listening. The conversations you have with the AI humans, I don't really know what to call them. The AI, whatever. Are between you and the, the, they call them neons. That's like me saying I'm not going to peek with my hands over my eyes. Yeah, so I think a lot of people are very, very skeptical. Yeah, especially if they're like, if it's something new where it's learning from you and your your characteristics based on your conversations, like that's a whole new way to learn about people. Right. Uh, and it could be interesting just to start this new wave of humans interacting with computers that look and act just like them instead of like, hey, Siri, hi, you know, you know just very mm -hmm. basic interactions. Like, like, hey, what's up, man? He's like, hey, Mike, what's going on? You're like, well, wait, wait a minute, what? <laughs> it'll, it'll throw you off. But just there is danger bit. if you think about the movie Her as well. Um, mm -hmm. And just putting a face to a computer system that can actually interact with you. So there is pros and cons that I think people are weighing. Uh, so the other thing was the automotive stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there are always a ton of concept vehicles to be introduced at CES and whether they get put into production or not is one thing. But, you know, one of the most hyped concept cars at the show was the Mercedes-Benz Vision AVTR, which stands for Advanced Vehicle Transformation. And, you know, the hyped aspect of it is that it was based on Avatar. Love that movie. Uh, right. And, you know, even though it's from 2009, there have been rumors that there will be a sequel coming soon. There's like a whole slew of things coming up. We, right. we, got, we, we got time, but in the next three years. Right. But I mean, to kind of get that rolling, this car was a, you know, part of that. And James Cameron did come on stage to talk about it, which people weren't expecting and were happy about. But essentially, the car looks super futuristic. It's kind of like a bubble that swoops from the back to the front. And it's like, I, I wouldn't even, it's a sports car, but not really. It's more just to like showcase all the crazy technology a company can do. Which is necessary at these shows. Like it, right. it's also a concept. So it's just a little blown out of proportion just to yeah. accentuate some of the features that they want to show off. Right. And those features can then be applied to other cars too. So it's not, you may not, you might not see these rolling around it's more wow tomorrow, but anything. it's, yeah. But the, the coolest thing about the car from what I've seen is that the battery is actually fully recyclable. Which is key. Right. Big deal. Um, so it doesn't use any waste because it uses a graphene-based battery cell. It replaces all like the rare earth materials and the metals that are commonly found in lithium batteries mm -hmm. and then just uses compostable materials instead. Uh, I, I'm getting this huge Back to the Future vibe where you're just throwing garbage in your car <laughs> and you're good to go. All right, let's get out of here. Yeah, and you know, they also use like vegan leather inside and uh, like wood that's fast growing so it's not as harmful for the panels. So. They're trying to blend like the whole nature vibe with technology, kind of like Avatar. Uh, he's trying to save Pandora. What do you? Right. Like, yeah. That's the whole point here. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, out of out of everything that comes out of uh, out of these kind of experiences, I, I think the the neon thing is kind of dope. I'm just afraid for kids. Yeah. I'm gonna just to jump back real quick. Like, like obviously, like iPads already raise kids now. Mm -hmm. iPads, iPhones, and it's like, all right, well, now you have this this neon human that kind of interacts with your kid as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of dangerous tech stuff surrounding kids, like even like the Ring camera. Oh, we're, that's I don't even want to get into that, but that that's a whole other topic that, that was really you. scary. <laughs> but, no, no. 
yeah it's it is a concern for sure um that's like my biggest fear the the automated car stuff i love like if if they can have everybody have a car that drives itself yeah like it's just easier to have cars dictate what's happening on the road as opposed to humans because there's less error that way mm-hmm. so uh, less traffic less error uh, it, point is you get to where you need to get to faster that's what i like about automated cars but yeah and this one you can also like use gesture control so you don't have to touch anything if you don't want to, but there are things you can touch too. But if you're germaphobe, like I don't even want to touch my own car. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So exciting stuff from CES. I mean, there are obviously all your robots with cute faces and yeah, things until like it turns that. into Terminator, and then we're oh man. <laughs> so, uh, let's go back to Terminator. Always goes back to Terminator. I'm not yeah. gonna do it today. I'm not gonna do it. All right. <laughs> but yeah, I would say those two are the most. They kind of like encompass every trend you could see at CES. And they make you think a lot. I'm excited for the future. I'm just waiting for flying cars. Yeah, well, Uber also, you know, <laughs> they, they've they been working on that. So that's... I don't want... I, listen, I don't want people to have the ability to take their own car and fly with it. Uber, a taxi, fine. So it's like taking a private jet places. But right. I can't have everybody just driving around or flying around, I should say. All right, Emily, thank you for stopping by. I appreciate all of the uh, the critical information. Uh, I look forward to more this year. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate Taps on it. The mic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for the latest in technology news, go to hypebeast.com forward slash tech. Hi, this is Felson Sahanas, senior editor at Hypebeast. And today I'm with Mikey and we're going to be talking about this thing that uh, Virgil said. I believe it happened on December 18th and it, it kind of broke the internet. So Virgil... Ablo was asked, what do you think will happen to the idea of streetwear in the 2020s? And Ablo responds, wow, I would definitely say it's going to die, you know, like it's time will be up in my mind. How many more t-shirts can we own? How many more hoodies? How many sneakers? So that's like the first part that kind of broke, you know, everyone on social media, but no one really I don't addressed. know, address the second part of it, which he goes on to say, I think that like we're going to hit this like really awesome state of expressing your knowledge and personal style with vintage. There are so many clothes that are cool that are in vintage shops and it's just about wearing them. I think that fashion is going to go away from buying box fresh something. It'll be like, hey, I'm going to go into my archive. So streetwear is going to die or, you know, it's how many t-shirts can we own? like the t-shirts the hoodies the sneakers like what's your thoughts on that? a lot i can own a lot and i can okay. continue to own a lot and i think it's more of like a, a transition into something else like mm-hmm. a rebirth like uh, right now streetwear is like a caterpillar at some point it's going to cocoon i would assume this year and next year and then it's going to blossom into this new thing yeah. it it happens every couple of years where yeah. like you're know, like a new style emerges and like yeah. i kind of say this from time to time but it's it's fine i don't think it was that big of a deal uh i think a lot of people have been making statements such as streetwear is dead or it's going to die or it's mm-hmm. going to be something else it's fine I, I mean, me personally, like I'm always going to buy new stuff. That's just what I like. And yeah. some people love to thrift yeah. and that's what they like to do. Yeah. So, I mean, realistically, whatever. I mean, archive pieces, thrifting, that's still part of streetwear culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, they were streetwear when they were put in your closet yeah. 10 years ago yeah, or yeah. eight years ago yeah, yeah. or whatever. So. And just the whole idea of old luxury is it has become streetwear also. And just for... You know, people kind of freaking out about this blanket statement. You know, streetwear itself, you know, we work in the industry. It's a culture. It's it's sneakers. It's uh, fashion. It's skating. It's art. And you don't see that going away anytime soon. So that kind of fuels streetwear. So in the 2020s, that's still going to grow. 
streetwear is going to grow. But I agree with you. It's It might go dormant in relation to retail. Like mm. maybe people won't buy it as much, but I feel like it's going to have this kind of resurgence where it's going to turn into something different. So so in essence, what, what I'm seeing happen is like a lot of these people who were brought up in streetwear, creating streetwear are part of that culture as it emerged as this new thing, mm-hmm. uh, say 10 years ago, 13 years ago, are starting to see this huge trend of it becoming oversaturated. Yeah. And it's not just something that I created now, like 60 million people want to wear it. And yeah. it, it kind of dilutes it for them and it takes away that that special feeling. That's what I think is really happening in this kind of instance where he's like streetwear is going to die and thrifting. Virgil's all about making things your own. Yeah. Everything is customizable. And that's kind of what he leans towards. I think I think him personally or he personally feels like and this is my assumption on this. This is not fact that people are too busy trying to buy something fresh and new for what someone else designs for them as opposed to creating for themselves, which is why I think it leads back to that thrifting idea and, you know, creating something from something old, which is cool. That's, that's fun. I mean, DIY culture is is so big nowadays and it just doesn't pertain to streetwear or just fashion. I I, want to ask you this though, like, you know, we're kind of like OGs 2010, 2015. That's where like the first, kind of the first version or the early version of streetwear. That's kind of like when, you know, Bobby hundred said like, you know, it, it's gone, like it died. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was the internet's fault? Because I see this one where Virgil says it's dead and I see it as more like, oh, maybe social media is killing it. I, I think it was more along the lines, like 2010, I was still going to clubs. I was still like <laughs> clubbing at that time. So like my, my aesthetic was a little different. Like yeah. I was still doing diesel and I was doing things like that. But for the most part, like, when you start to transition and you come into like different uh, genres, I guess you can call them, right? You go from like a club scene to like a work scene. So I work in an office, I wear suits all the time. Mm-hmm. That's like my thing. Yeah, yeah. So when I go out, I'm wearing something that's suit inspired. But if you're going into streetwear, like that's a vast umbrella. Yeah. You can do tees, you can do sweats, you can do tops, you can do, you can do a mesh, you can do yeah. whatever you want. And it's your style. Yeah. I think in the early, in the earlier on time when it initially died, it was very saturated with like this skater feel, yeah. with t-shirt feel, and yeah. then it transpired into like a high end. That's that's when I feel like high end really started. Pyrex and well, it was a little before Pyrex, but yeah. you started seeing higher price points for streetwear, yeah. and it was like, hmm, is that more important than the streetwear? Do you and, feel like it, the internet had like a lot? to do with that kind of like 100%. Yeah. 100%. I I remember when I used to shop for shoes when I was younger, it would be on like East Bay and I would have to like call stores. (laughs) Yeah. You you know what I'm saying? Like that, that's a different vibe than right now where you can, you can just pick up your phone and be like, okay, they got it in Atmos in Tokyo. All right, cool. Like that's just so easy. So let's, let's talk about like, you know, the pillars of streetwear, like Supreme, Bape, Palace. Like, where do you see those guys in, in the 2020s? Because I feel like when Virgil said streetwear is going to die, I feel like those guys are just getting started. Like Supreme is, you know, uh, as popular as it is, they're 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 just beginning to open up more stores globally. I think that even if they go dormant, like, mm-hmm. I, like I said before, it's a good thing. Because yeah. in 2010, like people weren't running down the blocks for Babe, but Babe stayed afloat. Yep. People weren't running down the block for Supreme, but yeah. Supreme stayed afloat. I like, mean, not you, like as you said before, they went dormant too. Exactly. Yeah. And, and but before, like the Internet was like crazy with people knowing about it, like it was there. So even if it dies out and there's no resale, because that's really what it comes down to. Like, that's why these stores are so overpopulated. One, people don't want to pay resale, so they'll flood the store or mm-hmm. two. 
people will pay resale, so people flood the store. Yeah. So like, I'm gonna run there to buy product to sell to someone else, or I'm gonna run there to get product so I don't pay someone else. Yeah. Like, like that's the, the give and take of what's going on right now. So realistically, if it goes down, all those people that like the brand, if you really like the brand, are still gonna buy it, yeah. whether it's online it one, or in store. Yeah. You're gonna like, find it one way or the other. It doesn't other. make a difference. Yeah. Like maybe they'll tone down how big their collections are yeah. if they see like their first the first few seasons aren't trending up and they're still like yeah. trending at like the steady number. And they okay, we'll chop it down, and then it becomes more limited. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, you weren't shopping there in 2021, were you? You, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it's, it's going to fall it's back a flex. to. It's a flex. Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I'm okay. I'm, listen, I'm okay with streetwear sub, becoming more subdued. I mean, the only thing I see it kind of like going more dormant is probably in the in the luxury space. There you go. A lot of brands are kind of, you know, they're hiring new, younger talent. And these younger talent are streetwear based or almost kind of like influenced by streetwear. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, okay, who's going to be one of the early, you know, luxury brands who doesn't go that route, you know? Like we kind of see it with the Burberry, you know, with the Gucci and, you know, uh, we want to see like maybe away from trainers, like less focus on trainers and go back to tailoring. So for me, that's, that's my vision in the 2020s when Virgil says streetwear is dying, but maybe it goes dormant in the luxury space. I, mean, I want to jump off of Virgil too hard here, but I, yeah, I remember yeah. there was an article with Ronnie from, uh, from Kith. Yeah. And he was like, well, I don't want to be branded as just streetwear. Like I might do tailored suits in five years. Yeah. Like I don't know where I'm going to end up. And like, that's, that's a key testament to like what happens. You get bored. Yeah. You, you, I don't care who you are. You get bored of doing the same old thing every year in and out in and out so like if it moves to tailored and like it works and it fits who cares yeah <laughs> like yeah. if it looks good it looks yeah, yeah. good no matter what genre you want to call it and i feel like that's what people's wardrobes tend to be anyways it's it's in waves too like you mm -hmm. know can't front like a lot of us were on hashtag menswear probably like just five years earlier and then it just kind of like you know goes to ups and downs you know with with so even sneakers, even sneakers before the whole dad shoe craze, like mm. a lot of us were into common projects, like the minimal stuff, like Stan Smith's were like the thing. So it's like, it's about your aesthetic Yeah. at that point. Yeah. Like it, it, the, the, the apparel or your fit is indicative of what you're either wearing on your feet or what you're wearing on your upper. Yeah. Like when you were wearing Stan Smith, what were, what was your upper fit? Probably a fresh pair of chinos and a fresh button down from Gitman Vintage. That, nice and easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice and easy. And that, that was like your uniform. Yeah. You had them in different colors. You probably wore the same jeans two to three times a week. It didn't make a difference. But like your top was a little different and your kicks were the same ones, yeah. but they stayed fresh. Yeah. That was it. It, it. it was an easy move. And then we transitioned into runners a little bit. Mm hmm and runners was a little different because you had a jogger fit, you had a little bit more cleaner up top, a little more tapered. People change their body types That's to true, wear true. runners. Yeah. But let's, I have this on Asterix and I just kind of put it last minute. It's the word Kanye. How, I do, mean, you, how he, do you spell that? I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not into spelling bees. Who's that, who's that guy? <laughs> uh, so Kanye West, uh, he's kind of a big prim proponent in the culture, you know, Yeezys, you know, everything about like what, rapper fashion is now kind of like stems from what Kanye wore, you know, when he broke out the scene. So where do you see that influence in 2020, in the 2020s? I think Kanye's influence is over. Uh, I think he's very monochromatic now. Mm -hmm. He's very, like, aside from the sneakers, like anything he does up top is the easy season stuff is very bland, muted, if you will. So do you feel like he has no influence? He's influenced. Ten years, 10 years moving on. Okay, so he's influenced people that are influential now. Mm -hmm. So like his influence is still there. If, if, 
in a weird way. Yeah. So, so like, okay, I'll give it to you. Who was that? Roddy Rich was yeah. it? Was in an article, and he said, "Well, you know, Biggie and Tupac were dead when I was born. Mm-hmm. So, like, I grew up listening to Future and Exploitive Other. Yeah. So, those are the people that were the soundtrack to my life. Like, yeah. you can't, I, you can't fault a kid for that. You know what I'm saying? He's like, who am I gonna look? I can't look up to Biggie and Tupac. They were, they, they were." dead before I was even born. So like, I can't relate to what you're talking about. Now, as far as the clothes go, like people weren't really doing the Kanye thing when Kanye mm-hmm. was bopping, like whatever. Uh, he influenced some other people that are that are creatives now. He probably influenced Virgil. He probably influenced Don C and mm-hmm. whoever else is in his circle. Jerry Lorenzo follows after that. And then you start to see these trends build. So like yeah. his mono- monochromatic look is very, Fear God and Yeezy to me is very similar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the fits be a, be a little off. Some of the design labels a little mm-hmm. off. But like for me, like that's the, almost the same thing. So he's already designed. He's already um, had influence in Fear of God. Now, Fear of God after, I don't know, God knows how long. I'm watching shorts. Uh, Eric Emanuel. Mm-hmm. Eric yeah. Emanuel shorts are very indicative of like the first Fear of God of stuff course, that I yeah, saw. Yeah. So like you can see it like kind of carrying through mm-hmm. and through. And like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But it always grows to something different. I don't fully agree with you that his, did you say influences that or is a... Uh, I, I think that, that Kanye's influence on streetwear is kind of over aside okay. from Yeezys. No, for me, I, I just think there's always a space for the monochromatic looks. And if people are not gravitating to it now, and it doesn't have to be Yeezy for me. It could be another brand. Exactly. That's like inspired by Yeezy. Like... There'll be different takes. If anything, there'll be a different shape or a different silhouette, and people will find like a newer color than these like stone grayish that uh, uh, Kanye has. But in terms of it, of his influence, it'll probably be less impactful. But like you said, it's still there. Like people will be inspired by Kanye in the next ten years just by association. They'll yeah. his name will come up. Some designer is going to credit Kanye for being an inspiration if that next thing is like the next hottest thing. The, the 808s and heartbreaks were, was a great time in my life and I started designing this clothing line. So thank you, Con- Kanye, for putting this idea in my head. Yeah. And I like the colors from the black and the white and the heart and the red. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, cool. I'm fine with that. But I don't think, listen, the guy's riding around on horses in church. Like he's doing like a world tour. <laughs> he's doing like the Sunday service thing and he's going back and forth. Like I, I feel like he's kind of escaped this realm and people aren't paying as much attention to him as they would have been. And it also relates to his music. It's not as, you know, it's not as powerful. Hitting, yeah, it's not as powerful. It doesn't hit hard in, in the market as it used to. People are not, you know, going too crazy for the next Kanye album like they did, you know, back then. Um, how about we finish it off with some solutions? Like how does, you know, uh, solutions or just kind of like ways to revamp the wheel for streetwear in the next 2020. Let it do what it does. I'd rather let it, let it just kind of take its own course and see what develops out of it. I like, I like the way the youth is, is handling it right now, whether they're they're taking distressing, remolding. Mm -hmm. I like, I like Virgil's aspect on this where it's like, take what you got and rebuild it. Cool. Like I I like, listen, I'm not the first person to rip up my clothes, but like, if I got some old stuff, I'm dying it. Yeah. You know, well, why not mess around with it? You got some overalls, you got denim, you want to distress it, distress it, have a good, make it your own. Yeah. I'm okay with that. For me, it's just for any upcoming designer or any, you know, brand that wants to break out. I mean, I'm not an expert, but I guess I'm in the same line as you where it's like, go crazy. Like, go make whatever you want to make, as colorful as it is, as crazy as it is. Like, there's a lot of stuff out there that's even crazier than Off-White and, and Louis Vuitton or Absolutely. any of the other stuff. 
like we just encourage like designers to like you know get out of this box man like there's more to fashion than just street culture and i think you know if if you are really there's a creative out there if you are that creative and you're feel like you're the next raf simmons or you feel like you're the next virgil like just just go all out everybody go all feels out. like that <laughs> all right well i'll stay up to date um i don't think we're gonna get anything crazy out of virgil for the rest of this year hopefully not uh, well there's an, an ego an ego collab coming up oh. with with louis vuitton so prepare for that that's exciting to me that that is kind of dope yeah ah, whatever all right <laughs> always a pleasure fellas always a pleasure sir catch you later definitely for the latest in fashion and style, follow Hypebeast Style on Instagram or go to hypebeast.com forward slash fashion. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Hype Report. You can find out more about the show and listen to other episodes on hypebeast.com forward slash radio. You can subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Leave a comment and let us know what you think about this week's topics. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Mikey Dab, and that's two Bs. And shout out to the editorial team. I'm Mikey Dab, and thanks for listening to The Hype Report. Any comment, opinion, or suggestion made by any person contained in this episode does not represent Hypebeast in any way, and those genuinely are their individual, personal opinion and thoughts towards the topic shared.